Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Calling as Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, Where Hunting Memories Are Preserved. Taurus, Maker of the Raging Hunter and Other Fine Handguns. Now here's your host, Larry Weissett. Welcome to another episode of DSC's Campfires. Appreciate you being with us today. And David Fox, thank you for another fine introduction. September. I tell you what, dove seasons are, are open, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have been out hunting doves. And if you haven't already, you soon will be. Had a great population this year in terms of the morning dove pretty much across North America, particularly in, in parts of Texas where I live, we've had a really good hatch this year. And so I know that there's a lot of white-winged doves that are hatched as well, too. And if you're in Texas and you have an opportunity to come to Texas, we've got some of the finest white-winged shooting there is. Of course, we're limited by regulations set up on us by the feds and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department here, but when you get to the number of birds, it's phenomenal the number of morning doves and white-winged doves we now have in Texas. September 2 brings on to me the beginning of fall, that first season that comes up. You know, we've got teal seasons coming up here very shortly, and maybe by the time that you actually have listened to this, you will have had an opportunity to get out and hunt teal as well. And 
with me, you know, I, I love love the bird hunting. I love eating doves and love eating quail and turkey and pheasants. And I'm not all that great when it comes to uh, waterfowl. I, I've eaten it several different ways, and I, I've enjoyed it. But it's not one of those things I truly look forward to. And as a result of that, for the most part, I am no longer a really big duck hunter, if you will, or goose hunter. If I really like to eat them, I'll tell you what, I'd be out there more often because there's something really special about sitting in a duck blind and, or a goose blind and you hear those birds a long way off and they start circling above you and start coming down or you start calling and here they come. And, you know, there's something really special about that. But again, if you love that sort of thing and you like eating them, then by all means, I hope and you're getting after them right now, particularly where those seasons are open. This year, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in, in September in, in uh, terms of getting ready for hunts I've got coming up a little bit later on in, in the fall, meaning latter part of September, in that I've got a uh, hunt I'm doing for elk. I think I'm going to be able to take a management bull on the Mescalera Apache Reservation there in New Mexico, and I'm waiting to find out for sure whether or not I'm going to be able to do that. Back during the summer in, I think it was July, we sold a hunt at the DSC Foundation Gala that uh, Mr. Russell Stacy set up for us through the Mescalera Apache Reservation where a hunter is going to get to go out there and, and take a, a trophy bull. Now, getting onto the Mescalera Apache is something that you almost have to be born into these days. Permits are very limited and... Uh, Unless somebody gives one up, there's not really a, a big chance of getting on the reservation to hunt for a trophy bull. Now, they take a fair number of what they consider management bulls, and that could be bulls with a messed up antler on one side, or it could be a bull that's a older mature 5x5, five five and, and or maybe even a little bitty 6x that just has got a lot of age. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to go on that hunt of course i'm hosting it for dsc foundation and we're filming that hunt too for trigicon's world of sports at field which airs on sportsman channel so we're going to be out there with the uh, winner the, who won the the auction bid back in july as i said at the dsc foundation gala Hopefully, there'll be a permit there where I can get onto a management bull. It's been a few years now since I've hunted elk, and I dearly love to eat elk, and kind of out of room for, unless it would be just an absolute monster bull, so I'm hoping I can get into one of those bulls there that, uh, if I do get a permit, that will... Oh, maybe a great big 5x5. Five five. Uh, to me, those big 5x5 five five bulls are really kind of special in so many different ways. Kind of like a really big 8-point whitetail buck or 3x3 three three mule deer. You know, that most people look at, yeah, from a huge perspective, I guess, that look at it and go, yeah, he's not quite what I'm looking for. But, you know, to me, that 5x5 five five elk, if I get an opportunity to take one, is going to be absolutely a, a, a trophy of a lifetime as far as I'm concerned. It, to me, the trophy has nothing to do with the size of the animal or the size of the antlers. The trophy comes to me from the aspect of who you're hunting with, where you're hunting, all those memories that you create. That's the true trophy. And sometimes when I hear about, oh, trophy hunting is bad, I, I kind of just shake my head because those folks have no concept of what a true trophy is. To them, it's, it's something totally different. 
And unfortunately, the, some folks don't want to listen to reason to find out what a true trophy is. But I've got some antlers that I've retained over the years that, to me, bring back such true special memories and of the people I hunted with, the circumstances of the hunt. But more the people and the circumstances, I think, than all the other aspects don't have anything to do with the size of it. So that's the hunt I'm planning on for this year. And we'll, while we're out there, we'll try to do some podcasts with uh, some of the, uh, the managers there on the Mescalero Apache and and uh, with Russell Stacy, who's also going to be hunting. And then the gentleman that bought the hunt as well, too. We'll try to do something with those guys to uh, to, to kind of bring you on to the hunt, as it were. I'm going to be hunting on that particular hunt with a Remington Model 700 300 Remington Ultramag. Of course, Hornady ammo and Trigicon scope that I've got on it. I've been shooting it a little bit. And uh, with that ELDX load that uh, and the Precision Hunter that Hornady produces, I think it's a 220 grain bullet. I tell you something, at 100 yards, I am putting them in the exact same hole with that particular gun. And that old 700, it, and I say old because it goes back to about 1998. I actually went to the uh, factory. That's back when I was with uh, Shooting Times Magazine as, as a hunting editor, and I was invited to Remington on their annual seminar. They used to have a writer seminar that unfortunately they don't do anymore now or hopefully they may again do them in the future but got to go to the Ilion New, uh, New York plant I almost said New Mexico because I've got New Mexico in my brain but the Ilion New York plant and put that rifle together and took it on a hunt in British Columbia with Al Russo who then was with Remington and Shot an absolutely fabulous 6x6 elk way up high in the mountains. We'll tell those stories about that elk hunt one of these days. And then also, from a great distance of well over 500 yards, I was able to take a Rocky Mountain goat. And something I'd always wanted to do. Very interesting hunt. And again, we'll tell that story around another campfire. But with that particular combination, I feel very comfortable out to great ranges because it carries enough downrange energy to where I know if I do my part, I know the bullet's going to do its part. And it's going to, with the accuracy that that gun has, uh, you know, I'd, I'd feel very comfortable at taking a shot at an elk out to 400 yards, maybe even a little bit farther. But to me, the thrill of the hunt and the true hunt comes in and trying to get as close as you possibly can before pulling the trigger. So, you know, I've had been out to the FTW ranch where they teach the sportsman all weather, all terrain marksmanship. And as a result of spending time out there, I had Tim Fallon put together a range card for me, and I know what the capabilities are with that particular combination of Remington, Trigicon, and, and a Hornady ammo out to well beyond that 500 yards, but hopefully we'll be able to get within 100 yards or less of that bull. That's going to be my goal. I'm, I'll kind of limit myself to not shooting over 200 yards, but uh, you know, I'd really like to call that old bull in, and we'll be there during the time when they're bugling and coming to cow calls. And if I'm so lucky to get a permit once I get there, that uh, I want to try to get as close as I can. And you know, if I could shoot that bull at 10, 15 steps, I'd be absolutely thrilled. Immediately after that, I've got a hunt coming up in October, and that's kind of really what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. It's a pronghorn antelope hunt that's on the Eason Ranch uh, out of Clonch, New Mexico. Now, Clonch sits over close to um, Corona and the Carrizozo. 
uh, hunted that area years ago for mule deer, and I know there's some really big, nice pronghorn antelope in some of that prairie country right on the edge of the, of the foothills before you kind of head toward Albuquerque and start getting into some of the mountainous areas. But, uh, and again, it's a hunt that that we sold at uh, the DSC Foundation, a gala, and uh, part of the deal was is that I get to hunt on that particular hunt for certain, and uh, I was able to procure a permit from um, uh, Mr. John Easton, who his family owns that chunk of country, and so I'm headed out that way in October, and over the years, I have to tell you, I've hunted pronghorn antelope pretty fair amount of I've shot them in Wyoming and Colorado and New Mexico and, and Texas in particular and over the years he's spent a fair amount of time hunting pronghorn antelope out in the northeastern part of New Mexico on the T.O. ranch years ago and out there I shot them with everything from handguns to muzzleloaders to to rifles and as a result of that I've, I've, I've hunted them quite a bit and nowadays is I love to eat antelope but I'm also going to in this this instance is going to be trying to look for one that's got some pretty nice horns now a few years ago like two years ago i was able to hunt with greg simons and i think we've probably talked about that hunt here on the podcast in the past but uh the last two years that i was out there with greg the year before last i shot an antelope up 17 and a half inches on both sides and by far my biggest antelope up to that point i'd taken one that was 16 and 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 a few of them that were in that 15 inch class then last year went back out there and, and uh, shot one with Greg that was about 15 and a half and almost 16 on the other side. Beautiful antelope, ate like, I mean, really, really good. And, and uh, first year I used a 257 Roberts out there with Greg and shot that antelope at about, actually shot him at a measure 257 yards, which was kind of appropriate for that caliber. He was using a Ruger number one with a Trigicon. Uh, scope on it and then of course Hornady ammo and and then uh, the following year the last year and when I shot the 15 and a half 16 inch antelope uh, we were doing that for the Trigicons World Sports Field TV show and I was able to use uh, uh, oh, my old friend Dave Fulson's 7 real, seven millimeter Remington mag, Remington 700, top with a Trigicon scope, and of course, Hornady ammo as well, too. And on that one, uh, interesting hunt in so many different ways. I ended up taking that antelope at about, oh, about 75 yards after putting a stock on him and getting close to, uh, to him like I really wanted to. The interesting thing about that hunt was, and as I'm leading toward this hunt that we're going to do on the Eastern Ranch here in a few days, is that uh, before getting out, I sprayed myself down with the TRHP Outdoors Scent Guardian. Now, this is a product that the the, that the TRHP Outdoors guys developed, and, and I've used it several different times for a lot of different purposes. But uh, it is a, uh, I'm not going to say scent control because it goes so far beyond that. It's not just scent control. It destroys almost any kind of scent. So anything that's kind of oil-based or human scent-based, but it amazingly, seemingly, too, has some kind of an EMF effect. Well, I'd sprayed my clothes, my, my green shirt, my brown pants, brown hat, gloves that I was wearing at the time, my gun, boots, everything down with, with Scent Guardian. We spotted big old antelope out there. I'm saying he's probably 15, 15 and a half inches, and he was out there 
at about oh, close to 600 yards in a bald opening. And I mean bald in the fact that there was nothing there taller than about six inches between me and that antelope when I started. Dave Fulson, who is with Safari Classics, who does Trijicon Worlds at Sports Field, followed me for a while, and we started walking toward this antelope. We got within about, oh, maybe 400 yards of him and, and uh Dave said, you know, he said, I think I'm going to stay right here. He said, why don't you see how close you can get? The interesting thing about this antelope is he was a big, older, mature buck and by himself and very attentive to everything that was going on. And as I started walking to him, initially I thought he was looking at me, but then I realized he, he really wasn't, he was looking past me because I went to the right a little bit and to the left and he had spotted Dave kind of sitting there with a tripod and kind of looking, staring at him. And when Dave didn't move, I guess he felt like there wasn't any danger. So that, uh, cause he, for whatever reason, just did not seem to see me. So I just started walking, continued walking actually just at a slow pace, walking right directly toward this antelope. And, Every once in a while, he would spot something to my left or my right, and I mean, he would really concentrate on it because remember, they've got unbelievable eyesight that picks up any kind of movement, any kind of object they're not used to being there. I kept walking, cut the distance to about 200, and then kept walking and slowly and kept hidden his direct way and he'd look over to the left and he'd look over to the right and he'd just kind of look past me and kind of look you know left to right of me and I did not exist I kept walking and kept walking and kept walking and finally when I stopped I was 13 steps from that pronghorn and he still paid me no attention at all now he'd pay attention to something off in the distance but he it was like I never existed so I finally just stood there and evaluated him and, and uh, thought, well, and he just started feeding. And, and I turned around and walked back to Dave, and Dave was just shaking his head. He said, I've never seen anything like this before. And I said, well, you know, I haven't either. And so finally got thinking about the only thing that was different that I had from past hunts is I had used the TRHP Outdoor Scent Guardian, and apparently it also not only did it have a total removal of, of scent from me because the wind actually was blowing from me to that pronghorn, it also had some kind of an EMF effect. Now, we've not been able to, to test this on, on um, technology, technology machines, if you will, but with the, the one that I shot, I cut the distance from about, oh my God, 300 yards to about 75 yards before I finally set up and, and shot. And again, the that pronghorn, it, it was like I did not exist. He was looking past me and he's looking at different things, but concentrating on different things out in the distance, but never paid any attention to me and, and uh, let me get within really easily rifle, easy rifle range. I've had the same thing happen on some other animals too, but one thing I can tell you for certain is that whenever I head to New Mexico here in a few days, it, you know, I'm going to have some of that uh, scent guardian, have my clothes, my, my gun, my hat, my gloves, my boots, everything sprayed down. And of course, I'll take some with me and, and I spray it while I'm out there. And this time, I'm going to ask the cameraman to spray down as well, too. And we'll see how close we can get to some of those antelope out there. I know that Mr. Eason has said that he's got two or three really big bucks, but generally they don't let you get within about six, eight hundred yards of them. 
before they take off running. So this is going to be a, a, a true test there as well, too. Now, I mentioned in the past that I've shot quite a few antelope, and, and uh, I've shot a lot of those antelope in Texas and, of course, New Mexico, and, and took a really nice one several years ago in, in southern Colorado, and then I've shot some more massive horn antelope up in, in uh, uh, Wyoming years ago. And, and uh, what I'm looking for this time is I've kind of gotten on a kick once again. I'd, I'd really like to take a really nice antelope, so I'm going to be looking for something that is at least... 15 or, or, or 16 inches and I know New Mexico particularly that area around Carrizozo and Corona produces some outstanding antelope in terms of horn length, mass and prongs and over the years I'd, I've learned a few things about antelope and looking at them and the beauty of it is as a biologist and guide occasionally I could look at an antelope and then we were able to take that antelope either myself or or one of our clients or a friend and I'd, I'd kind of guess how long that horn, the horns were on that antelope and then I'd have a chance to measure them. So I'm looking for one, quite frankly, this year that will be 15 inches longer, longer now. Uh, depending on if I try to shoot a 15 incher, it will depend a little bit on what kind of mass it has. And basically, how long the, uh, the 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 cutter or prong is, and you hear that thing called a, a, a lot of different things. And of course, those of you that know a little bit about antelope know that the pronghorn antelope is truly unique in in terms of, of being an antelope species. In that, uh, it's the only antelope out there that annually sheds the outer core horn and has a uh, core underneath that, that so it grows a brand new set of horns every year and of course as they get older and have on good nutrition like anything they have a tendency to produce horns that are are a little bit longer and more massive and yes they are true horns they're not antlers they're uh, kind of a specialized hair uh, skin kind of like a fingernail kind of thing uh, the glutenated uh, epithelial cells, I think, is what it's called. If you get right down to it, but that outer, that outer horn gets bigger generally every year, and the prong gets a little bit longer. And you know, when you start looking for an antelope, it's hard to find one that's got really good long prongs and got good mass and has good horn length. A lot of times, they'll have one of the three or two of the three, and and lack in the other department. But as I said, over the years, I've had the opportunity to uh, to to look at a lot of different antelope. And particularly where hunters were, or I had taken the antelope so that I had a good idea. Go, yeah, I think he's 14 and a half inches. I think he's 15 inches. I think he's 16 inches. I think he's 12 inches. You know, those kind of things. And then, then get up there and you can actually measure them. And again, as I mentioned, this, the, the trophy has nothing to do with, with the size of the animal. But at this point, I've taken a lot of different antelope. And, and I'm really kind of looking for one that I can do two things with and, and three things. One is to, uh, to put some excellent, fantastic meat in the freezer to, uh, to take an animal that's got some size on him that is a mature animal. And then that one that creates that really special memory after I have my animal mounted by um, double nickel taxidermy there close to New Bronzeville's and, and between New Bronzeville's and San Marcos, Texas. 
and to allow me that every time I look at that animal upon the wall, I, I have all these special memories that re- recur or come back very quickly because, you know, remembering who you were with and circumstances. And that to me is where the trophy part comes in as well, too. If you're going to have one mounted or keep the horns off of that, you can look at those and it helps you remember all those special little details about a particular hunt. <clears throat> One thing I've learned, as I mentioned earlier, is that I've taken measurements off a lot of pronghorn that were taken by hunters and, and going into a taxidermy shop, too, where somebody just brought a head in. And, and uh, so I wanted to measure the length of the ears and a few things like that that I can use as, as, a, as a judge. And one of the things that in looking at antelope in New Mexico and Colorado and Wyoming and, and Texas, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of them in terms of length that for a comparison, the eye to nose measurement. And basically what that means from the frontal part of the eye to the tip of the nose. I've, I've measured a lot of them. Very seldom have I measured one under eight inches. There's a few that I've measured that were like eight and a half inches, maybe a little bit longer. But the vast majority of antelope that I've measured have been from the outside, the front of the tip of the eye to the tip of the nose about eight inches, uh, maybe a little bit more, but very seldom, very seldom less. The other thing I've done is, is I've measured a lot of antelope ears as well, too. And from the very base of that ear to where it attaches to the, the head, to the tip, in most of those, it comes down to about seven inches. So, uh, you know, you look at an antelope and you can see that seven inch ear where you can use that as a comparison to the length. Now, prong length is, is something that's measured in terms of the score as well, too. And, and there, what you do is you measure from the very back end, the, the center line of the back of the horn, around the, the horn on the outside to the tip of the, um, of the, uh, the prong. And that's really kind of a hard thing to sometimes guess, but, uh, you know, most of the ears that I've measured are about two inches wide. Now, that means the ear sticking up, the greatest width, if you're looking at them, is about two inches. So antelope don't very often throw their ears forward. They're they're usually kind of to the back. They really kind of depend upon their eyesight more than they do anything else in terms of, of what they consider to be danger, although they do have a sense of smell. And, of course, they do hear, of course. But uh, So usually that, that, that ear is kind of going back and forth and back and forth, and usually it's, it's upright. And so you can use that eye to nose measurement, as I said, which in most antelope is eight inches, or the ears, which is seven inches, and then you can use the uh, width of that ear in terms of, of width to compare to the prong or to compare to the base or, you know, different parts of that, that horn, and that's two inches. So, you know, the antelope that I'm looking for, for the most part, unless he's got unbelievably huge, long, long, long prongs, is probably going to be that animal that the, where the prong comes off above the tip of the ear. Now, that, if it does that, and then I'll kind of compare that ear tip to uh, our length of the ear to the, the length of the horn or try to make it in terms of multiples to give me an idea as to how long those those horns really are. 
so very often the horn that kind of goes up and doesn't hook back down as they kind of come back in, kind of curve back in or forward or whatever they might do or backwards. The one that goes kind of straight up and just has a little bit of a curl coming in, they have a lot of times they have a tendency to look longer than than what they are. I've, I've looked at several that, you know, you initially thought, oh my gosh, they're 15, 15 and a half. And, and uh, then you look at them a little bit closer and you notice that there's no curl in on the tip and you go well and maybe somebody shot them and you find out it's a 14 inch antelope which is a really good antelope don't get me wrong but you know if that if that horn had curved back in well it could have been 15 or 16 inches long and i mentioned that tip too because a lot of times on older mature pronghorn bucks that that tip kind of becomes translucent so you've got to really look because it'll may just blend in the background and you go oh well he's not as big as i think he is but you know good optics are so important and so that's where i carry binoculars and then the spot and scope as well too so i can really study that animal from a distance to make sure whether or not we want to try to put a stock on him kind of thing. But again, to, to get an idea in terms of, of length of horn, in terms of uh, width of horn, and in terms of uh, the, uh, the the length of the prong, you know, I'll use that two-inch wide ear, ear width measurement and that eight-inch eye-to-nose measurement and that seven-inch ear length and again i'm going to for the most part look for one that's got a where the prong does not come off until it goes up above where the ear tip is in the position when he's he's looking at you or whether he is uh uh you know you're getting a profile on him so those kind of things you know to me as i mentioned earlier anything over 13 inches some places is a really good antelope even a 12 inch antelope in some places is is really good i, I shot some of those in certain areas where nutrition was kind of lacking on a year-round basis and they were the biggest bucks that were there that 12 to 12 and a half inches but on a good nutritional diet those those bucks have a tendency to put on a little bit more horn length now in terms of if you're into scoring it takes 82 Boone and crockett points to make the all-time record book and i think it's like 80 to make the the two-year record book and basically what that is the only time spread comes into effect if the spread is wider than the length of the longest horn then there's you, you have to have to have a deduction but uh for the most part you're you're measuring from the the very bottom of the horns right above where they come off at the eyes around the outside of that horn all the way to the tip and uh, then divide that to where you end up with take measurements at the base and three other quarters, and then plus the length of the um, uh, uh, the, the length of the prong again from the center, the median media, if you will, medium of the the backside all the way around to the tip of the of the prong sort of thing, and do a, add those together, and that'll kind of give you a gross score. And then, just like with Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, a lot of those other scoring systems, there's a deduct for say the main horn or the main beam, if you want to call it that, is is 16 inches on one side and 15 inches on the other side. Well, there's a deduction of one inch from the total of uh, when you add up the length and the uh, circumferences and the uh, 
the, the, the prong length on, on the two, so on both antlers. So, but you know, to me, anytime you can shoot a, a pronghorn that scores from about 75 on up, that's, that's a pretty darn good pronghorn antelope, one that you can be proud of. I've got a friend named Ernie Davis, who for years specialized in, in pronghorn. Ernie hunted all over the dead gum west for pronghorn antelope and i have no idea how many total ben and crockett bucks he's taken i think he's got like 12 or 14 in the all-time record book and i know of numerous others he's taken since then that he just whatever he decided not to put in the book maybe he just felt he, his name appeared there enough and he uh, he now hunts pronghorn antelope still these days you know for the pure joy of hunting and with that there's a lot to be said about that because with pronghorn antelope, it's a game of, of glassing and looking over a lot of different animals. And then when you finally find that one that you're after of executing that stock to get closer to where you can get a, a good, reasonable shot at one, the antelope, as we know, live out for the most part in, in extremely open country. They depend very heavily, as I mentioned, upon their eyes to uh, to avoid danger. And they're the fastest land animal that we have in, in North America. And they're pretty close up there to what that cheetah can do over in Africa, to be quite frank with you. And years ago, when I was working as a wildlife biologist, quite often we were working in the western part of the state and you'd see a pronghorn antelope or two and they'd be next thing you know they're running parallel to you and they seem to like to do that and you just kind of speed up a little bit and they speed up on these old country roads and you speed up a little bit more finally you get up there at about 50 miles an hour and oh lo and behold here comes this pronghorn and he's he, he crosses in front of you so it's i'm not too sure how fast some of those are actually going or what they're capable of doing but i can tell Tell you, I've had numerous pronghorn antelope cross in front of me going 40 plus miles an hour and, and uh, they're amazing. They're truly an amazing animal in so many different ways. They, they When they run, if you've ever seen photographs of one running, their mouths are open and that's to increase the, the uh, amount of oxygen that they can take in while they're running. And uh, that allows them to, to to keep going. Now, the interesting thing is, too, is running with their mouth open, there's a little filter type thing that comes down that strains out uh, different things of dust and pieces of grass and those kind of things, old dried grass, that might cause a, a problem in terms of like foreign body pneumonia. So they're, they're well adapted, and they're truly one of the great, great conservation stories when it comes to any kind of game animal or any kind of animal in, in not only in North America and the world, one time their populations were down to near extinction. And uh, oh, habitat destruction was a big part of it. You know, some areas they were hunted for the, were market hunted. And, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of people back east that did, didn't believe in hunting, but by God, they wanted fresh pronghorn antelope shipped their way. And so they were a great contributor of, of the decrease. And, but over the years, pronghorn antelope have come back so strong. I mean, their populations are extremely healthy and, and really show how sustainable hunting conservation works. 
I mean, it was hunters that paid for the conservation of the antelope to uh, to bring it back. To to they paid for the trapping and the relocation. They uh, paid for habitat work. They paid for all the other things that have created a, a goodly number of pronghorn antelope. But in the process of doing that, it wasn't just pronghorn that benefited. It was it was the range itself, the habitat itself. So many different prey species, from from birds to small mammals, they're the ones who benefited probably a whole lot more than what pronghorn did. And again, all this, is, as you well know, is, was paid for by hunting. Now, on this particular hunt, uh, I've got a Remington 700 that I'm taking. Again, it's going to be filmed by Trijicon's World of Sports and Field, and and. They're sponsored by Remington, and so uh, that being the case, that's that's particularly the gun I'm going to use. And in this instance, it's it's a 280 Remington that I was able to pick up not too long ago, and and uh, I've been really been playing with it. I think it's shooting 140 grain ELDX. I think is the load that I've got worked up for it. Uh, it's got a Trigicon uh, AccuPoint scope on it, of course, which I dearly love, which is external. Uh, it's got adjustments, so in case I do need to make a long shot. But again, to me, uh, I'm hoping that I can crawl, belly crawl, whatever it takes to get within 200 yards or less of, of a pronghorn that I'm after. And, and uh, that, to me, will be the fun part of it kind of thing. Uh, the country where we're hunting will be wide open, so I will have worked up a load that uh, is capable with, well, actually, you know what, I'm probably going to end up just using the uh, uh, Hornady Precision Hunter because I've, I've worked up some loads for it on a, for, with reloading, but I'm, I'm finding that that commercial load shoots as good as my hand loads do, so there's no reason not to do it that way. But uh, I've got that rifle with that particular combination, rather, shooting dead on at, at 100 yards, and I will end up, to, if everything works out, like I say, crawling within to that distance and hopefully uh, putting the shot where I need to and putting a big old antelope on the ground and create a whole lot of memories and bring back a bunch of good pronghorn antelope meat. As we get on that hunt, what we'll try to do is to, uh, as I said, uh, just like we're trying to do with the elk hunt, we'll do a podcast or two based upon uh, the hunt while we're out hunting and with some of the people that we're with. And hopefully you'll join us right here again next week. And who knows where this thing is going to take us next week. We've got another podcast or two before we actually get into the field to start seriously hunting. But uh got a couple special guests coming up and and i hope you'll join me here right back here at the campfire at dsc's campfire with larry weiss soon next week thank you for joining us and you know if you got something that you're interested in hearing about please let us know about know it and uh, know about it and we'll do our best to to bring it to you thank you all for joining us today Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfire. DSC Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Kenetrek Boots for the trails less traveled. Boyd, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air, for all things air gun. And Ripcord, rescue travel protection.